June. I have a question for you. When specifically did you decide to run away from home? There was a meeting that my dad was having, and it had nothing to do with Mama. It had nothing to do with looking for her. I hadn't heard any of them mention looking for her. It's like everybody just gave up. And I thought that he was going to be the last one to give up. And when I went into that meeting, I didn't care what they were talking about. I just, it wasn't about Mama. And that's when I realized that maybe he was done. And I think we see you leave this meeting and wander through the streets of Rally a little bit. There's an aimlessness to how you move through this quiet space, and I think that it's late into the evening. And I'm curious, when you make the decision, is that one of intention? I need to get out of here, no one is going to see me leave, or is it more aimless than that? I think at first I thought I was going to go find her myself. I was just going to go by myself. Then it started getting dark. I was tired. And I was so, so tired. I would like you to roll me a stealth check. If you are not trying to be quiet or sneaky, you can, at your discretion, do so at disadvantage. Yeah, I'm not trying to be... Not trying to be sneaky. Uh, so, disadvantage, 13. Isaac, could you please roll me a perception check? It's a natural one. June, this is a time before the arrival of Guard and his rhythmic opening and closing of the main gates of Rally. On this evening, you slip out the door that is still cracked before the team comes out to fully close it and secure the town for the night. And no one sees you. And before you know it, you are at the edge of the Western Wields. The sun has set and the moon just creeping over the horizon is skittering silver light across the mossy earth. And we see you walking. And then you pick up pace a little bit. And without ever having intended to, your walk becomes a run. Your movement is impulsive and intuitive. It is trained into your muscles. You're not running to anything or from anything. You are just running. And the wind rushes through the leaves and tussles your hair as you sprint headlong into this aimless escape. It's Things cold against tears on your cheek, and 
in a bizarre sort of way, it's good to feel something. You hear the sound of water tumbling over smooth stones and around narrow bends in the creek that runs from Raleigh down into the western wields. The sound reminds you of the grief lapping at the edges of your awareness, and you move toward it with a numb inevitability. You want to be alone now in this moment. You want the forest, the only home you've ever known, to close its walls of pine and moss around you and shut out the whole world. And it will. For nearly a year, it will cradle you and teach you and keep out that damnable, unpredictable world just beyond its boughs. But you don't know that yet. And you don't know yet that you will forget this moment. As you reach the water's edge, you drop to your knees and watch the moonlight play off its surface. You listen to its ceaseless murmurs, soft grumbles of unfairness as it races downhill. It does not want to be driven downhill. It does not want to be at all. You do not know that for nearly five years you will forget this moment. Not by some trickery of bond or arcane magic, but simply the mundane blessing of grief censor. Now, five years later, you hear those soft grumbles again. The sweet grass, the cool wind, the murmuring creek all come back in a rush. And for a moment you are lost to this memory before you realize that the lap of the creek is in fact the blood in your ears. And you return to the present. A quiet moment in a mercifully cool cave, accompanied only by the vague outline of your mother. In this place, it is too dark to see how the desert has broken her another small mercy. And she is waiting patiently for you to speak. Can I, can I get you anything? Do you need? She starts pulling out like bits of cloth to, I, I, I can't even, I can't even tell where all this, where the blood is coming from. What, what blood, Juniper? <laughs> she looks over her again. And as you focus, you realize that your memories have gotten a little confused with the present, the blood in your head, the rush of the creek has distracted you from the true nature of your mother's injuries, which are dry, craggy, desiccated. 
the edges of her missing arm and missing leg are cracked like baked earth. Do you want me to take a, a look, a look at your, at, at your arm? What do you, what do you need from me right now? What? Juniper, darling, I don't even know how to begin to answer that question. Never in a million years would I have expected to find you here. I didn't think I was going to see you again. Until I dreamed about you. You dreamed about me? I did. You told me, told me to come find you. Told me to come save you. She glances down at the ground. You see that she's sort of fiddling some sapphire beads in her right hand. Her only hand. I see. One gets desperate on the verge of death, Juniper. I was expecting Agravar. I was expecting reinforcements. I was expecting... You got me. Are you okay? I mean, you look well, but... What? I can't imagine that you are in any way okay being in this place. Am I okay? You know, before I had a dream about you, you know where we were? We were in Agravar. You and... and Isaac and your friends? Yeah. Yeah, we were there. Honey, what were you doing in Agravar? There is no way that was a safe place for you to be. I love that you're asking me what I was doing anywhere. How many, how many years have you not asked me that? And now, now, you're asking me what I was doing there. In a place that was not safe for me. That was the whole plan. To, to go. For you just to leave. I had every intention of coming home, darling. Just as soon as the world was safe. What, and what, leaving your other family behind? Leaving Hank behind? Hank would have understood. No. No. He's not happy you're gone. Doesn't understand why you're gone right now. Wait, hold, hold on. I'm sorry, June. Did the Grand Matron not explain the situation to him? The Grand Matron said that you went on your own mission. The Grand Matron sent me on this mission. Mm. Seems like the Sisterhood is having some trust issues. Surprise, surprise. Suppose it wouldn't be the first time. And she shifts and she sort of crosses one leg over her other, looks away. Then what, what did she tell you? We had been in conference for some time. You and Trent? Yes. I'd gotten her a seat on the council. The voice of the sisterhood beyond my own. We had agreed that we were going to try to make peace, and in lieu of that, seek independence. And then the desert started creeping in, and I started doing some research into what might be causing that. I found information on Sligo and his relationship to Pandar, the cleanser and the green. And she suggested that 
There might be something I could do that I could tug on the bonds. I, Juniper, I don't know how much of this you know. There's a god out there that's turning everything to sand. The cleanser. The great lizard, he has been responsible for this in this part of the world, this cycle of regrowth for eons, and then something changed. But Juniper, none of this explains what you were doing in Agravar, what Isaac is doing sitting at the mouth of this cave. How about before we explain exactly how we got here, myself and my family, let's talk a bit about what you went through getting here. And we flash back. Dale, Isaac, we have been through this. For going on six hours now, we need to come to a conclusion. And Isaac, you are sitting in Dale's office with Dale and Katarine at some four in the morning discussing the slowed regrowth of Elderwood and the incessantly gluttonous demands of the Empressar. I mean, it's a, it's a forest, Katarine. Eventually, we'll find some trees. We'll chop them down. We'll attempt to grow them like the rest of them and continue the process. I, Are we just going to tell the Empressar no? That's been your position this entire conversation, Isaac, and I understand where you are coming from. I understand the vain hope that the forest will give indefinitely, but look at the evidence, man. I mean, I'm not blind. There's definitely trees are different than before, but what are our options? Let's, let's, let's go with we stop chopping down trees. Dale, you want to tell us what happens after that? Dale has not said a word probably in the last half hour. He looks up deep set bags under his eyes and he fixes you with a grave expression and just shakes his head no. And Katarin shifts a little bit in a defiant stance. We, uh, we had a saying back home, Isaac. The way of thinking about problems when the creek hits a dam, the clever stream finds a way around. So pray tell, how do you think our stream should find our way around a god? You know, it's funny, but I think the answer might almost be to literally find a way around. I don't think the answer's gonna come from the Western Wheels, Isaac. I don't think the answer's gonna come from Rally. So what, we, we go traveling? A pilgrimage of sorts? Looking for friends, build a rebellion, strike down the empire. Like, the, the Dale, are you listening to this nonsense? Isaac, go ahead and roll me an insight check. It's my second natural one of the day. Two of two? Oh my god! All these flashbacks, dude. dude. There's a reason dude. why Isaac's such a dick. We are learning uh, a lot about Isaac in this moment. He was <laughs> through, oblivious to everything. Through the dice. The dice are like, hey, Isaac didn't notice shit. Katarin's eyes light up a little bit, and Isaac, you very defiantly focus on the man that you have served these past ten-odd years. And he gives a little shrug. Now, Dale, I've done a lot for you in this town, getting us here. I'll be right behind you, but I need some sort of direction. 
There's no two ways about it, Isaac. We can't go anywhere. There's no world out there for us. The Empressar's got long enough arms. This High Scepter character won't back down. You ask what we could do about a god, and I gotta ask what difference there is between a god and a devil when the deal is made. We just gotta keep carrying on. And Katarin stands up, pushes her chair in, folds her hands just in front of her, gives a little head nod and says, well, gentlemen, we are clearly not going to reach a new answer this evening. I suggest that we all get a little sleep. I'm going to go check on Juniper, make sure she's resting comfortably, and then retire for the evening. (laughs) Well, what's left of the morning, I suppose. You two have a big day ahead of you. We have to mount another expedition, go look for more trees, if that's going to be the move, Mr. Lord Governor. I'll go talk to Leah about scrounging some folks up, get the boy ready. Good night to both of you. And she strides out of the room. The hem of her dress flowing effortlessly, never moving an inch more or less above the ground. And we see her steal away into the early morning hours and she slips back into her home, sits down at her writing desk and with a practiced flourish, scrawls out a note, folds it, and slips it into her husband's trunk. She packs a small bag, a handful of provisions. She knows the way. And she knows how to survive off the land from these past 10 years and the generosity of those she meets on the road from her lifetimes prior. And in that purplish-blue shimmer of pre-dawn, she disappears from Rally. And we catch glimpses of her flight. We see her steal away into Beetleback. A different mare, a different community, eagerly willing to help someone on a political pilgrimage to Agravar. And then we see her camping in the lush forests and grasslands of the fertile Agra Plains before arriving at the sandstone citadel of the Lord Governor. And she unsheaths the dagger, pops it into the wedge between two sandstones in the basement of the Dark Abyss, and a hollow opens, and she slips in and makes her way into the diplomat's suite, unoccupied for the evening. We see her pass through shadow, making her way to the chambers of the Lord Governor. We see her put Melmanon lap and yawn into chokehold and wrestle him to the ground at the point of her bow staff, then help him up and pull him into an embrace. We see her slip into her son's bedroom. We see Hank confused, and then angry, and then cautiously relieved. 
And over the next few days, we see him vacillate between these two states as Katarin makes herself hidden in this place. And it is only when she is sure that through careful reconciliation and some manipulation that Hank has accepted her, that we see her slip out into the city and into the home of Grand Matron Riley Trent. A deal is made. Are you sure that you have the sway over the young heir to the throne that you think you do? Your plan would put him at odds with powerful men. Commander Antony has never been a force to be trifled with, and now as regent, he holds half of Agravar behind him at least. Still, I suppose you have some responsibility to clean up the mess that you've made. We see a small political ceremony where Hank ascends to the throne in the war room of the Citadel. We see a decision and edict made in the small hours of the morning. Wardens mobilized, political prisoners taken, Antony thrown in jail, blood-red vines around the throat of Branvere. And then he vanishes. Agravar is at war. And at every step, behind every decision, Katarin stands over the right shoulder of her firstborn son, her obligation to the sisterhood and to Agravar. And then the desert begins to creep further south, and we see her in conference with Riley Trent and Harris Alzaroon and his wife and Hank. And information is traded, legends are swapped, each person having to decide how much of the mythology they wish to believe in this moment and how much of the propaganda of the Empressar they wish to question. Katarin does research. She finds much of what June has already found, and perhaps a little more. She finds a name. The Tanin call the cleanser Sligo. And they consider him to be a gentle and benevolent force only encroaching where needed. Something is very wrong. And the rest, June, she's just told you. And you see that she is shifting slightly uncomfortable against this hard stone floor and a little wearied for the retelling of it. And she straightens herself up, takes a deep breath. I am so sorry, Juniper. But I had to make the world safe for you. I had to fix my mistake. June is going to shift her weight, roll her shoulders back, kind of shake out her head a little bit. You achieved your goal? <laughs> you were always so astute, Juniper. No, not yet. But I think there's time still. How is June feeling in this moment? 
numb. I'd like you to please roll me an insight check. It's a 19. And what is your deception modifier? It's zero. June, you perhaps don't say anything to your mother in this moment that betrays how you're feeling. And she is not probing you to do so. However, you, for once, take a moment to genuinely scrutinize how you are sitting in these emotions and in this newfound knowledge. And so I'm going to ask you again, a little bit more specifically, what's underneath that numbness? It's almost like a vibration. It's like a blanket of fury that's been laid over. Immense relief and sadness and hurt. And part of her mind wants to understand where her mother is coming from. But the overwhelming feeling that she did this for her, but without her. And while you're having these thoughts and scrutinizing these emotions, this complexity of feeling, we see June do something new. And June, you almost step outside yourself and turn to face the wireframe of bond that comprises your space in existence. all of those emotions, all of that complexity, all of those roiling connections to your mother, to your home, to yourself, to the people around you who should have supported you, who should have emboldened you, who didn't. You see a blanket of numb, almost burning shimmer. It's as if there's a heat emanating off of these experiences that is diffusing it muffling it and that numbness takes a shape and you can think about that numbness taking a shape you can think about it being a layer over top of your memories and you can see through it and you can see yourself for what you are in this moment all right what's the next step harissa isaac and guard you are standing with Rami Waldeck at the mouth of this cave, silhouetted by the midday sun, backlit like platonic shadows. And you've been giving June space. But you've just heard her ask a very tactical question, and one that you all probably need to be involved in. Because as emotionally tumultuous as this revelation is, as bizarre as it is for Isaac specifically to be back with his oldest living friend, you all have work to do. And so you now have this asset. How do you want to prepare for this final fight? Well, this is kind of awkward, huh? Um, you think maybe... You think we can go back in now? I don't know. Isaac's just thousand yards stare down the canyon. 
every now and then Rami shakes her prosthetic hand kind of in front of your face. I'm gonna rip that off your shoulder and throw it out there. <laughs> all right, all right, you can see me. <laughs> I think uh, it's time we can go back in and I think June may need a break even. So. Yeah, y'all go check on her. Guard will take that initiative and, and wander in haphazardly. Isaac does not go. Can I see them coming? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You also, you can hear and just like Trevor sets guard approaching. Where's Isaac? He was looking into the distance in that way that he does. Oh, no. That, that motherfucker's getting his ass. I'm not doing this. And she points down to her mom. I'm not doing this, but do you know? And she'll hustle out of the cave towards Isaac and try to, like, bop him in the back with her bow staff. The fuck are you doing out here? He doesn't move. I don't... You you don't get... You don't... I'm sorry. No. No. I'm not... You, got, you get in there right now. I swear to God, Isaac. I'm not doing this by myself. You will n- not leave me to face this... By myself. He's going to reach back a hand. Juniper, have I left you yet? Not yet. Pulls you over, puts a hand around you, and a hug. I told you I'm not going anywhere. Just sometimes us old folks need a little time to get ourselves together. your old folks bullshit I can't do this by myself and you're not going to I'm just angry for you that's all just just shake her head if Isaac notices the tension in this side hug he just places a hand on June's head and just knocks his head with, with hers. So, all right, all right, all right. Are you done staring at nothing? Yeah. Just, damn desert air is so dry. I've got my eyes all fuzzy. Oof. All right, old man. Oh, right. I don't have to like it, but let's go. While this is happening, Guard and Harissa and Sphinx are just sort of standing awkwardly near Katarin. Guard just kind of looks to the group and to Katarin. So, you're June's mom. She nods. And in a voice weakened by exertion says... I am, yes. And I'm so sorry that I have not stood and introduced myself properly or offered you any hospitality, but you will forgive an aged woman in her recent infirmities. That's Mr. Spinks. (laughs) Mr. Spinks? Yes. I'm going to roll a little insight check. That's a 19. You must be Tanine. Sphinx is a bit standoffish, I think, with her, uh, because if you think about Sphinx being the sort of emotional outlet for 
Safra. He knows that this person before him is the reason for a lot of June's trauma and is trying not to be very angry about it. Uh, Safra obviously knows better that in the current circumstances now is not the time. So he's just going to be standing there sort of arms crossed, just sort of breathing out through the nostrils, you know, and uh, being a bit grumpy. Um, while Safra says, yes, we are Tanin. Hard to miss, I suppose. Might have to know what you're looking for. I've had the honor of working these past five years very closely with some members of your tribe. They are brilliant strategists. And they've shown great courage. Don't go thinking flattery will get you everywhere. Just saying. It's, it's okay. Sphinx just, she's just going to push him round behind her. <laughs> Thank you. My daughter's very lucky to have you as a friend. Well, she needed someone, huh? Without missing a beat, Katarin nods. There's no deflection in it. There's no attempt to ameliorate the impact of her actions. She simply accepts that what she did has, con has had consequences and agrees with you. Listen, I am aware I have my own issues with my own mother, and I won't be taking them out on you. But I can't say the same for Sphinx, so he may be a bit testy. But that is not the priority right now, is it? I fear not. Though I wish it could be so. Do you understand what we're up against? She swallows hard and nods and says, All too well. Do you know how we can stop it? I do not. However, I have learned a few things that I was hoping to pass along to the Agravar forces when they arrived. If none are coming, as I am starting to believe, well, you all at least have a right to know. As Isaac and June are strolling up, uh, he's just going to whisper to her, be honest with you, she looks jacked up. Is that, <laughs> I, does that help you at least feel a little bit better about the situation? I don't like that she's hurt. Damn. All right. Uh, Isaac will walk up to Catherine, places a hand on her shoulder. And if it's exhaustion or something like that, uh, or, or whatever, um, so five or how many points of lay on hands? That... You tell me, man. June says she doesn't like that she's hurt. You know what? This is an emotional choice. Let's do all of them, all 25. Oh, shit. Okay. You rest your hand on her shoulder and feel the thunderous echoes of the universe pulse through this embrace and she straightens up a little bit healed maybe a few points alleviating maybe a level of exhaustion but her wounds do not heal she's missing her whole arm and one of her legs and one of her eyes and around each of these the area where it appears to have been severed seems to be made of the kind of baked earth that one might see in not like a shifting sands desert but like a plains desert right like the kind of thing that you might see in the sonoran or death valley where it's like it is so hot and desiccated that the earth itself has split it's like at the bottom of a dried out river mm -hmm. now mentally 
are we used to seeing that? That is very different from your memories. Your memories depict these as, and have written themselves to be, normal instances of healed amputation or loss, okay. right? Like, So this is new. Look, this specific detail is new and somewhat irreconcilable. I, I think there's an element where it's like you just don't and can't assume anything at all. It is simply out of place. It is simply a thing that has happened that you find quietly irreconcilable. Turns around to June. Did the best I could. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what you did, Isaac, but I appreciate... He walks away. ...the initiative. June's gonna throw out her staff so he doesn't walk too far away. Just from her. Doesn't leave the, the group. These... These losses were incurred, I believe, through my contact with, with Sligo, with the cleanser. It's hard for me to say exactly when for each one. The memories don't line up appropriately. They have sort of always been this way, but, but not at the same time. I'm, I have had three separate encounters with the god. I have been cutting this thing around the desert for weeks. Did you say Sliga, Sliga? Sligo. It's an old Tanine word. It's the only name I could find for this god. That name hasn't popped up previously in the things we've been looking at, has it? This is the first time. Nope. Can I do some history check or survival check or something as to what I may have heard of that. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I got a net one for a total... God, I love this fucking game. This is an incredible episode. Holy shit. Three net ones. <laughs> I, I, like, I mean, it works out pretty yeah. well if everyone forgets about things when, when that god is around that sure. I do not know anything about. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, Harissa, this is not one that really enters into your stories, your experiences. And I think that we as the audience might see that as kind of conspicuous, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why would the Tanin not have foretold or forewarned against this creature? And the answer is not because the Tanin were not aware of it. Obviously, this is a Tanin word. The answer is found in another piece of information that has been echoing throughout your journey so far. And again, none of you are privy to this, but we, the audience, come to understand that that is because the Tanin are not people of a desert by choice. And their oldest stories are deeply anchored to the Eastern Wheels. I want to just open it up to questions, and we can do this in character or out of character, uh, but what I don't want to do is leave anything off the table. So however you're comfortable asking these questions, we can do them however you want, but I do want you guys to start seeking the information that you feel like you're going to need to confront this Elder God. I suppose my first question is that we'd read in the book that June found in the library that this God is allergic to rosemary or doesn't like rosemary. Could we find some and i don't know how we would use it against him in some way like would it kill him rosemary would it kill the god 
the rosemary situation is curious. I read the same thing, and it doesn't seem to grow terribly wild in these parts, at least not anymore. However, the old empire seems to have planted it in and around these... Well, they call them outposts. And they are all very curiously well defended by way of rosemary bushes and shrubs. I'm certain that we could find some if we were to find another outpost. As a matter of fact, a large part of what I've been doing has been systematically removing some of that rosemary to keep the cleanser moving between these outposts to slow his descent toward Agravar. I don't believe that it will kill him. I think it is simply an aversion. I would call it a distaste, honestly. So he, it wouldn't do him any damage, he just doesn't like it. I have no idea. He won't get close enough for it, me to know whether or not it will do him damage. How do you attract it? That's a curiosity as well. I was able to find some reliable information from the old empire. It is undeniably attracted to these outposts. When they are unguarded by this Rosemary, it seems that they are irresistible to him. And I am not entirely sure why. But obviously that is not the only thing that he is attracted to. There is something else that drives him onward and it isn't aimless, but I'm not positive as to what it is. I mean, what if it's... Could it be sick? Could it be ill? It's, you say corrupted, but we don't know about what. She smiles a little bit. And June, it is a smile that you know very well. And that we have seen time and time again. It is the smile that she can't help but smile whenever you get something perfectly right on your first try. Don't look at me like you're proud of me. Just, what, what is it? I'm, I'm sorry, I... There is something that plagues it. That, I think, is for certain. I think I would like to go to one of these outposts. I would like to see... If we can find out what it wants in these things so badly, why it is driven there. And we can gather some rosemary while we're there, which could be helpful. She looks a little surprised and then straightens a little bit and says, I suppose I haven't had the luxury of risking actually entering one of these outposts. He has been too upon me and I have been too unable to flee. But I know of what not far from here, it was going to be my next target if, gods forbid, I was going to have to do this another time. Well, I think that may be our next step. What do you all think? And she looks at Isaac and June and Guard. Sounds good, Captain. We've got mounts. If anything, it'll give us some time. We're not trying to kill it, right? We're going to try to figure this thing out. I do want to try and figure it out. I do. But if this god is 
well, rabid. Maybe it needs putting down. And that's something we may need to consider, or it may devour everything. I mean, Demoiselle had her partner to assist. This, this one's a little different. Isaac, I'd like you to please roll me an insight check. Three nat ones. We can, we can do it, right? Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. We got this. That's a 12. On a 12, you realize that your assertion is not just one of hopelessness, but one of insight. You're not sure what it means. But when you acknowledge the real constraints of the situation, you identify what may be important to the problem. A missing partner. Katarin has been shaking her head defiantly at Harissa throughout this back and forth, and she says, Juniper's right. We cannot continue the grim work that the Empressar has started. I understand that things look bleak, but when the creek is damned, the clever stream finds a way around. Hi, friends. It's Patrick. When we were recording this episode, it was stressful. We all had to take a few moments here and there to process what we were feeling or to just sit in the newfound information. And so we wanted to do that in this mid-roll instead of telling you how great the Patreon is or all of the manifold projects that we're working on. We just want to take a minute to take a breath. So take a minute, take stock, do whatever you need to do. And while you do, I'd like to make sure that we thank all of our rally defenders, Darksteel Panda, Darlene Wallace, Elderberry, GamerTubeHD, Katie Kirby, Lord Dreamer, and Michael McFarlane. This episode has been a long time in the making, and we literally could not do it without you. So thank you. And if you're listening to this episode, thank you as well. Take another breath, and we'll get back into it. You have all decided to make your way to the ruins of an Imperial outpost. How are you moving Katarin? How are you bringing her with you? Um, I just do a quick, just, and out of the sand, kind of like the dune sandworms, he just rumbles up. Who is sort of default leading? Is anyone taking point? I can. Yeah, if Katarin gives me, like, you know, it's southwest. Harissa, do you have any specific tactics for navigating this part of the desert? Actually, I think I'd want Sphinx on top of guard, basically meerkatting. So he's going to be like a bit of a like, <laughs> okay, keeping mm-hmm. his highest vantage point can kind of like keep an eye out. Sure. That's, I want to keep him out of trouble. I want him to be focused. Sure. That's what Safra's gotten him doing. I am going to ask for a group survival check. This is going to be made at disadvantage. However, I'm going to give the help action from Scrumpy and Rami. So two of you can roll flat. Uh, shall we do the people with the lowest survival rolling flat? <laughs> My survival's actually pretty good. I have plus four. Mine's, uh, mine's plus three. That's pretty good. I yeah, got some good survival. Well, Isaac should definitely take the flat roll. That's <laughs> okay. for damn sure. Uh, All right, so Isaac gets help from Rami. Who's getting help from Scrumpy? Let's say June is getting help from Scrumpy. Okay. Now, if you would please give me a group survival check on that basis. So wait, mine's a flat roll? Uh, yep, June and Isaac are rolling flat, and Harris and Guard are rolling at disadvantage. 
a nat 20. Oh, fuck me. That's a 23. Nice. I counseled out your nat 20 with a nat 1. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. I got a 14 after okay. this. I got a 13. That is a group DC 14. That is one away from a success. Oh. So close. So but. close. Uh, can I get a perception check from Spinx at advantage, please? Ooh, yes, you may. Also, Isaac would have told Safra to ride with uh, Katarin on CJ. Oh, so we're both up front on, on CJ? Mm-hmm. Okay. Isaac's walking with guard, yeah. Okay. Perception, you say? At advantage, yes. 22. Spinx on a 22 perception is the first to see in the infinite blank distance of this white, gleaming desert. A dune rolling in the shimmering heat, bearing ominously in your direction. Sphinx, if anyone was to be looking at Sphinx in this moment, they would see him looking around, glancing, then fixing on a position, squinting, and then his (laughs) eyes getting real wide and his frills just getting real big. <laughs> what do you see, Lassie? <laughs> Lassie, what is it? Who's in the well? Um, uh, alarm went off. <laughs> and he's just pointing over towards this hump that is that is coming towards everybody very quickly. Spinks, use your use your words. Use your words. It's too hot for all that screaming. I, 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 we're about to die. We're all going to die. Guard turns and looks. We should go faster. What? What are? What are we going faster from? That. Uh, Safra is going to nod. Guard, carry June. We need to run very quickly. Isaac, get on board. Let's go right now. Can I get a wisdom-based persuasion check from Harissa? An 18. Okay, that beats a DC 15. We have one success on the board as everyone starts to mount up. Uh, Guard, what are you doing immediately? Uh, Even though Guard Guard is not thinking about the fact that Junin has the same speed, he's just like, I agree, let's go. Uh, And in one move is going to... Uh, go to reach his hand out to June to extend it to her to like fling him up on his shoulders almost like Legolas style like yeah. sort of like cartwheeler up and just start booking it dashing charging over the dunes just trying to run uh, I am going to ask you to make me an athletics check please oh, that's not great that's a 13 uh, this was a DC 15 I do not think that you fail to pick up June and start moving in a direction. I think that instead what happens is that June realizes that even at this pace, you are never going to outrun this thing. It is closing too quickly. Mm -hmm. So that is how we're going to represent that failure. What is Isaac doing? I think Isaac (laughs) watching everybody run off. is like, oh yeah, you are an old man. He's going to try and slow this thing down and i want to use my channel divinity nature's wrath what's the range on nature's wrath cold that's a good point (laughs) oh god that's 10 feet never mind jk or i could shoot a moonbeam at it that's also fair and valid (laughs) (laughs) isaac like watches what direction the creature's heading towards them obviously straight for them um he's gonna take dale's shield off his back 
And he's just going to smack his axe against it and point it at an angle between the sun and the creature and cast Moonbeam. Oh, That's cool. fucking brilliant, and I love it. You see this beam of light glint off of these patinaed copper scales that are breaking through the sand. And even from this distance, you can see that just beneath them are blood red vines. June, what are you doing? I think we should split up. Never split the party. <laughs> no, I agree. I actually agree with Sam. I agree with Sam. June, I'm not going to make you roll. As soon as you have that thought, you realize something that has been nagging at you for these fleeting moments from Sphinx's panic to guard picking you up and, and just trying to figure out what is happening. You look out across this vast and dead expanse and you realize there is no bond to this place. You all connected to each other are a fixed and dense interconnection of bond. It's dragging our bond. Okay, can I stay? I want to stand up on guard's shoulder and just say, we got to spread the fuck out. I'll be fine. I can take this up, <laughs> bitch, all by myself. Oh, God. Oh, um, guard is going to grab June, like, under her arm and throw June at Isaac. Keep an eye on him. <laughs> um, and as we start to split up, assuming that we break in, like, four different directions... Guard is going to put himself in one of the directions that is closer to the creature. Yes, the two who can die and come back. Brilliant. <laughs> if you exist, though. <laughs> we got this, Guard. It's good. We got this. And as you all manage to break apart, you immediately see a change in this thing's behavior. It slows a bit. It shifts its position. It zeroes in on Guard. June, as you're observing this, I think rather closely, you see that Guard represents almost a brighter concentration of bond in this moment. That dense tie emanating from the back of his head to some point off in space. And it is beelining for Guard. I think you all manage to kite this thing. Guard manages to stay at just under pace with it, but there's a big enough gap. And by ducking and shifting, coupling up and then splitting off again, you see it turn. Rami and Scrumpy fall back in step with June and Isaac, and then it moves towards them. And then Moonbeam glints off of its blind eyes, and it stuns a little bit. It seems almost perplexed by that fact. And then you split off again, and it refocuses on guard. And in this bobbing and weaving sort of way. You stay one step ahead until you arrive at the outpost. Katarin ushers all of you quickly into the structure, surrounded by these rosemary shrubs, gnarled and creeping up the walls. And I think we see Guard cross the threshold last, and you all hear from a distance of maybe 40 or 50 feet away, deep guttural sand collapsing in on itself as this thing banks hard and crawls away. It was only 40 feet away from us at the very end. 
30 more feet and we could have nature's wrath. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac just (laughs) fucking lies down. He's he's doing the heavy breathing. Yeah. (sighs) And you find yourselves in a staircase between two ruinous columns leading deep into a chamber beneath the sand. And Harissa, unfortunately, you don't remember anything like this, for your memories have been stricken in this way. But June does. Your dream was unaltered. Pull out my piece of paper. It's very close. I mean, there are stark differences now. This is almost certainly not the same place that you dreamt about, or at least that you were able to recall in your drawing, but the important details are the same. The walls, the filigree, the relief of lizards, the inky blackness at the foot of the stairs. There's the filigree on the walls. Can I, like, get up kind of close to examine them? Sure. Safra has the weirdest sense of deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Like, something tells me that I need to tell June off for touching the walls, and I don't know why that is. (laughs) June, could you please go ahead and roll me an investigation check? And also, please tell me whether or not you are actually reaching out to touch these walls. I don't think she's touching the wall. She's just getting a good look, because she remembers that dream. This is why I never went running with you back in Rally. That's too much. Yeah, you're feeling it now. Walk it off, Isaac. Walk it off. It's all right. Some of us are natural sprinters and not marathon runners. It's all this armor. I would have been, I would have been coasting if I didn't have all this armor. Y'all just don't understand. Uh, that's a thirteen. Investigation on a thirteen. Given that you're not touching this thing specifically, I am gonna let you ask me one question. Can I read it? No, but you know someone who maybe could. Can anybody read this? I think it's some sort of writing. It's, um, it's runes, actually. It's not, um, writing per se, but... Oh, it's ruined. We ran all the way over here for nothing. Well, I mean, it is ruins, yes, but, um, it's also, (laughs) it's also runes. Oh. Isaac, you know, magical... Filigree. That... Uh, there's a lot of spots on my eyes. I can't really hear well. Do you need like a um, like a sports I'm, drink of some I'm kind? I'm just gonna sit down, honestly. <laughs> some orange slices. Okay, my hands over my head. Open up my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what type of ruins, Scrumpy? Do you know? Abjurative. Odd wager. This is uh, well, it's a Katerin said it's an old imperial outpost. They would have um, probably used this space for military observation and quartering soldiers, that sort of thing. Scrumpy gets a little bit closer. I think he actually kind of shuffles around in his belongings, pulls out a shoddy little torch. Mr. Spinks, if you uh, if you don't mind. Uh, what? I could use a use a light. It's gonna be dark down there. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, I thought it was like a battery powered torch or something. Um, okay. Listen, I know we both have vaguely British accents, but. <laughs> He just goes, <coughs> and then he kind of coughs and like, excuse me, oh, excuse me. And Scrumpy passes it over the wall. Not absolutely sure what 
sort of consequence these runes would have, but they are certainly abjurative. You could see here and here. They activate on contact and seem to be wired up to something down there. Do they look familiar to me at all? Uh, you can make me a religion check. I'm so mad that I can't remember this. So mad about it. That's a two. They don't look intimately familiar, but you recognize the similarity. And as a matter of fact, they look a little like the filigree on the Lorax. I think with a two, Guard is going to... Like, he's almost like lost in thought, and he's going to sort of mindlessly touch one of them. Damn it, Guard! dances on the surface in the channels and trains down into the dark basement and scrumpy <clears throat> well that was certainly a decision gone guard doesn't even really hear scrumpy he's sort of tracing the light as it goes down the wall and watching it reflect on the filigree of his gauntlet. Guard, are you okay? I think so. This feels familiar. I'm sorry for touching the wall. As you apologize, you all feel a little wave of force emanating from the basement kind of hit you in the chest, just a little... And Isaac, you lose concentration on Moonbeam. And Guard, I very specifically need you to make me a constitution saving throw. The, the dice, this is a game. This is a game of dice, and the dice are rolling in a direction tonight, lovelies. That is a three for a total of nine. <gasps> Guard, you take a level of exhaustion as you feel the magic of this place vacate with this wave. I think that after that moment, the idea, the feeling of exhaustion is alien to guard and is totally new. It's like having a dream for the first time. So I think that he is going to be following the lead of the others, at least initially here, and almost be not dragging his feet, but walking with a little bit of a slump that is not normal for his very robotic, straightforward glide. Got some sand in your joints there, guard? I don't have joints. You feeling okay? Do you need help? I'm tired. What the hell? We should move forward. I think we all need to move forward slowly for a little bit um, to catch our breath and to be aware of what might be in front of us. I do not know what's down there. I like that play. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Isaac. I thought you might. <laughs> Trying to keep up with Isaac's all the other cardio. Ones. So bad. Scrumpy begins to sort of take torches from you all from your kind of adventuring kits lighting them off of his and handing them back out so that you all might be able to see and as you do the darkness is pushed back into a corner and you see down probably 20 maybe 30 feet of stairs a small room that 
can't be more than 50 feet by maybe 30 feet long and not quite rectangular because what starts as a square regular space at the near end domes into almost an altar at the far end. And notably, as you take a few more steps down, you see the earliest relieved silhouettes of ceramic armor. Hmm. Like Mama Reese's armor or a little bit older? Older. How many are there? Are you going down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead and make me an investigation check. Can't come all this way and not go down into the spooky dungeon. 13. You make it to the foot of the stairs, pass your torch over the first row, and see one, two, three, four rows by four columns. 16. And then you sort of pass your torch over the surrounding space. And on the outside fringes, see barding, ceramic armor for riding birds. Oh, that's cool. And bighorn sheep. I think Safra is going to delicately... I don't, she doesn't want to touch these things. I mean, she doesn't know how old they are or if they're booby-trapped or whatever. She doesn't want to break them or something. Um, and she's going to very weave her way through them or around them to get to the altar at the at the other end and have a look at that. Uh, why don't you make me an acrobatics check? It's going to be relatively low DC. While that's happening, Gar absentmindedly goes to touch one and Sphinx just slaps his hand out of the way. <laughs> no! <laughs> Bad God! Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, a 15. You bob and weave through these things without making any contact and you're even a little aware of your feet where they hit the ground and whether or not you're stepping on any pressure plates or tripping any wires there doesn't seem to be anything and you get through to the other side and the altar is covered in some crates and some rubble disused by millennia you would imagine sand has poured in from above through cracks in the ceiling you do notice that toward the ceiling, roots of rosemary shrubs are reclaiming this space. Go ahead and make me a perception check or a nature check, your choice. 18. Oh, that's more than enough. Yay. <laughs> yes. The, the rosemary bushes sort of take you by surprise. It is odd to see nature reclaiming anything in this desolate, desolate place. And then you realize that slowly the roots have begun to crumble and you watch them for a second and you see that they are from the bottom up beginning to disintegrate as if aged a hundred years in a matter of minutes. Right in front of me, live action, they are just disintegrating before my eyes. You do see that about an inch in from the ceiling, that change is not taking place. There's a gap between where this age is happening and the ceiling of this place, almost as if you were in some sort of plant aging field. I'm going to um, point out to the others. I think I will just share that because we know something was sucked out. When God touched the runes, something happened. 
Uh, DM, uh, are there the ruins on the walls in this room as well? The runes? The runes? <laughs> the ruins? Oh no, these two? <laughs> uh, yes, the runes continue all the way around the walls and then onto the floor of the altar space. Is the bond on the back of guard's neck still there? It's not there. What about the rest of our bonds? Still absolutely present. And there is bond that is emitting from you all out into the world. Passes through the ceilings and walls as would be expected. Ambient. Pervasive. Whatever had a hold of guard has had to let go. Nice. Maybe it's because they know where you are. Do we have to touch something? Do we have to touch something to see where this is getting? I trust whatever decision y'all make. Probably not God touching things, but you two seem to be on the, the up and up. Scrumpy too. Rami, I might have to take your hand from you. Unless you know anything about this. I am a little out of my element here, Isaac. Yeah, yeah. All this worth an elephant? <laughs> Just... Ah, you're stubborn. I like it. <laughs> you said there were more runes on the altar or on the floor around the altar. When I when I say altar, uh, a, a another way to think about this is almost like a dais, right? It's like a raised space. Oh, uh, like a platform? Yeah. Should we put something on it? Can I tap the top of the dais with my bow staff? Go ahead and make me a perception check. Y'all, it seems safe. I got a nat one. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it seems it seems fine. Is it large enough for a person to stand on, or is it like a podium? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, it's 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 uh, 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 this 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 dais, this sort of raised space, is the entire kind of back arced wall, right? So it's probably a good twenty feet in diameter. A guard's gonna walk over to it and then look at everyone else, waiting to see if any of them do like a "Don't do that." Uh, then guard will hop up on the dais. Uh, guard, if you would also like to make a perception check for me, please. Natural 20. Oh, I have to uh, make them with disadvantage, though, because I am exhausted, so oh, maybe much lower than that. We'll just, we'll just roll another 13, one. 13. Oh. Uh. This, this was not a particularly high DC. Guard, on a 13, uh, you hear your footsteps echoing beneath the floor. Uh, I'm going to reach down and I'm going to knock on the floor. It echoes more loudly with more intention. Do you guys hear that? Oh, is huh? Are there hinges? Can we can we break through it or lift it up? Or uh, guard, are you happy just to punch through the guard? Punches it as hard as he can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead and roll me an attack. <laughs> I love guards' finesse. What? <laughs> Thirteen. Go ahead and roll damage for me, please. Five. If I added a d6 to that, would it make a difference? In that case, I want to just sort of wreck on that. And because Spinks is on you. Yeah, so guard goes to punch. Oh, yeah. Then like some flames just emanate from your fist as the kind of draconic essence goes. I've been rolling so bad this game. Uh, Two, so total of seven. Your fist slams into this ground and you take a chip out out of the stonework and you see the fire sort of follows the filigree into the walls before it dissipates. This might take too long to break. 
seeing the, the fire, I'm gonna do something very cheeky. I'm assuming there is maybe like a small flask of oil for like, you know, lighting fires or whatever. Safra is going to put oil on her finger and kind of like put it in one of the glyphs or something and use a torch to light it. Okay, go ahead and make me, uh, we'll say, a survival check. So I don't blow myself up. Ooh, 24. Very good. You see the fire rush over this oil, consuming it into a thick, tarry smoke, filling the filigree, and at a certain point, it kind of pushes past the high watermark of Guard's punch and then seems to take hold and begin to spread of its own volition, as it fills this dais and the heat concentrates and the air begins to shimmer as the floor collapses beneath guard. Guard, I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay, I have danger sense. 21. You land on your feet and you are in a small little antechamber a round room roughly the size of the dais above you. There are additional crates in this space, probably hundreds of years old, and looking fragile, but oddly well-preserved by the cool, dry conditions of this outpost. And immediately in front of you, there is a door. God, are you okay? Yes. I didn't do it. (laughs) There is a room with boxes and a door. June jumps in. Yeah, I think Safra and uh, Sphinx are going to do the same. Anybody got any room? Oh, y'all just going, okay. Right before Isaac does anything, I could use a perception check from Isaac. Natural five. Okay. (laughs) We're doing great. Really? You you don't see why this may be happening, but you hear a low rumble begin to approach the outpost once again. And Katarin turns to you and says, Isaac, I know that we are not on the best of terms in this moment, but I think somebody maybe should watch the entrance. I'd offer to do it alone, but I'm not sure how much help I'd be. Just make sure they ain't in trouble and help walk head towards the entrance. Katarine follows you. And we're going to start with the trio downstairs. Uh, what do you all do? We play Zelda and we smash crates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah smash all the crates. I think I want to see what's inside them. Yeah, way. let's crack one open. Right, yeah. Uh, you break open the top. Uh, give me a group investigation check, if you'd be so kind. See if I give you anything fancy. Let me roll this minus one check with disadvantage for you. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. A natural 20 and a five. Oh, oh seven. <laughs> okay. And Harissa? 15. Okay, so that's a seven. Uh, you all crack one of these crates open, and it is filled with straw and arrows, dried meat, and loaves of bread that have long since turned to compact styrofoam textured dust and uh, a little bag with some old imperial writing what's it say what's it say what's it say 
you glance at this and it is a word that is surprisingly near at hand. Rosemary. And inside you find a handful of tiny seeds. Hold on to that. Yeah, I have a feeling that's important. Okay. (laughs) I mean, remember, this was a group seven, so. Now, I want to see what is behind door number one, please. All right. You open the door, and you see a long hallway, maybe a hundred feet to the other end. And what's interesting about this is that there's a room off to the right of this hallway about 70 feet down. And then the hallway continues for another 30 feet and simply ends. What are you thinking, Harissa? Seems innocuous enough. Well, we either walk in or we don't. And guard's going to start walking in. (laughs) I guess we are walking in, huh? Absolutely nothing extraordinary happens. You walk into a room. So I'm just going to start walking down the hallway. Okay. Uh, Again, there is a door to your right and a far wall some 30 feet beyond that. Do you guys want me to open the door? Are you coming? Well, well, hold on. Hold on, guard. And I'll paddle over to him and let's, let's do this, like, carefully. I'll use my open, like, however the door opens, but use the bow staff to... Okay. While we stand behind the door. Go ahead and give me, uh, I'll say this is a sleight of hand check. While June and Guard are opening the door, I'm going to just head past to go see what the fuck is going on at the end of this corridor. Uh, give uh-uh. me an investigation check. It's a 14 for my sleight of hand. Uh, you managed to get this door open without touching it, and the door is now open. And with a little bit of torchlight, you see that this room is some sort of bedchamber and office. There are desks along the walls and beds kind of in the middle back of the room. This looks depressing. Uh, Harissa, what's the investigation check there? 19. You see at the top of this wall some probably eight feet high, a little slit that you piece together looks very much like the slit in the wall that your father used to secret you all into the underground tunnels. He used a dagger, didn't he, to like open the thing? I think with uh, while Guard and uh, June are busy, I'm gonna have Sphinx get up on and put the thing and he, <laughs> with the dagger that, you remember when Guard used the uh, Safra's dagger to like, stick into the sand to see like if anything would happen. Um, that same dagger, uh, Sphinx is gonna oh, hold me, hold me, oh, don't, don't drop, okay, and and he's gonna stick it in. I am gonna ask you for an athletics check uh, from Sphinx. Oh, not twenty, baby, for twenty-three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're gonna deal with that in a moment. Okay. <laughs> Guard and June, are you going into these chambers? Yes. Uh, you step inside and look around and see more of these crates. There's some papers sort of scattered on the desks and the beds left unmade and disheveled or leaking straw. Are you looking for anything in particular? I'll scour the desks. All right, go ahead and give me an investigation check. That was a six. You see 
scraps of paper containing bits of writing and little shorthand phrases and ideas that you you can't translate. You don't know if it's the bizarre handwriting or the vernacular or dialect that maybe they were using, but it's not the old imperial that you learned. And very specifically, you miss a piece of paper that guard points to. As you decide to check the backside of the desk and guard suggests that you look under it, you both manage to miss a little torn corner of a journal. And we see the old imperial words, sap supply, false wool. But we don't see that, so we're just like nope. so. So after June is like so. Guard is doing a thing where he's standing very patiently and patiently and attentively trying to uh, just sort of watch, and eventually he's just going to sort of tap June on the shoulder. Should we smash everything? Ah, you know what? That's the best idea I've heard all day. Let's smash up some shit. With caution, in case of traps. Oh, and rap, Then rap. Guard is going to take out his axe and just start smashing crates. <laughs> <laughs> Rage room! Rage room! Let's go. Uh, with that, we are going to cut to the top floor. Back in the shadow of the doorway to this place. Isaac, you and Katarin, who is sort of leaning on this crutch that Scrumpy has made for her, are keeping an eye out. And you hear, almost as if circling this place. It doesn't seem to be getting any closer for the moment. God, this is terrifying. Now that June isn't here, he's back to his thousand-yard stare. And I think Katarin lets you sit in that space for a bit before she eventually ventures a comment. I'm sure that I'm out of line here, Isaac, but... Um... I'm glad you're well. Dale's gone. Did you know that? Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> you see her eye widen, her jaw drops, her chest collapses. Guess not. Probably because his heart was so broken from his family disappearing one after another. What do you mean, disappearing one after another? You don't get to ask questions right now. She, her lips purse and her head turns away like you just open hand smacked her, but she straightens. He's on to, um... Better pastures. I can honestly say I know that. Now I understand what you needed to do. I've had half a decade to think about it. And I had so many terrible things to say to you. Rage I had built up for this moment. And then you gave June that look. And all of it made sense. 
you had to make a world that was better for that girl. <laughs> Juniper is one of the brightest people I know. Ten times smarter than you were at that age. Luckily, she gained all of her father's kindness in spades to anyone that she meets. I can see why you drop everything you were doing to fix this world that we screwed up so badly. I don't blame you for that. I can't. What I do blame you for is for leaving that amazing child with nothing but questions and feelings of not being enough when in truth none of us were truly worthy of being there for her. I don't envy you, Katerin, because you have to live with the fact that for the rest of your days, she will never trust you the same way as before you walked out that door. And that's on you. Isaac. How did he die? How did he die? He was tired. Isaac, I need you to roll me a deception check. That is a six. I'm deceiving? Katarin drops the cane and somehow, just through sheer force of will and balance manages to bound down several stairs and she grabs you and turns you around and you look into her one good eye bleary with rage and tears and she says I do not know if I will ever be able to fix this and I will have to live with that but Dale Snowthorn did not die because he was tired. What? No, I was I was there. And Isaac, as you are scrutinizing your memory of the past, you remember a detail that had been hazy for you. Not something that you had thought much about. But when you found him on that day, you had to brush from his pillow the scrap of a blood-red vine. And with that, we cut back to the chambers. And June and Guard are just absolutely beating the shit out of this space. What does that look like? Is there like a method to this? I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> Unless I am given direction, Guard is going to be, he's just going to be going systematically and literally just smashing everything in the room to see if it unveils anything. June's doing the total opposite. Great. And just swinging around her staff and like doing cartwheels over Guard and just trying to destroy as much as possible. June sort of back rolls over guard and lands whipping her bow staff into a uh, a particularly vulnerable crate. That moment, we are going to jump back to Sphinx, who is hey. struggling to insert this dagger <laughs> into this wall. Uh, can, what, is that, what does that look like as Sphinx is like wrestling to get this thing in? 
Listen, you've got to imagine this dagger to Spinks is kind of like a full-grown sword. There's Safra with him sort of like feet on head. Spinks out. Mind your claws, damn it. And then like it just hold still. I just it and just uh, yeah. Oh god. And then finally, as he lines up the shot and just sort of slides the the dagger in, and then just kind of dangles from it. I got it. I got it. Did did anything happen? <laughs> as a DM, can I get out ahead of this and say that I'm really sorry? <laughs> I swear to God, Pat. <laughs> Pat. If you no. try to kill your wife again. No. No. At this, at this point, we're asking burn questions. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> I, I really didn't think it was going to be Spinks doing this. <laughs> oh, no. oh, you're about to kill him, kill him. We hear... And filigree on the backside of this wall crackles in arcane thunder. How many hit points does Sphinx have? Oh, no. 5,000. <clears throat> yeah, he has quite a few, thanks. Uh, he has 30 hit mm. points, which ain't nothing. Unfortunately, that is 70 too few. <gasps> to <70? avoid> <laughs> a hundred points Whoa. of damage. Who the fuck did you think was going to do that? Power word kill. Oh, shit. And Sphinx is gone. The dagger clatters to the ground, and brick by brick, the wall begins to collapse. Searching in the dark, trusting every clue I found. But the truth has not been told. Is every corner of these woods is hollow? I can't see.
The river.